0: favorite place to take college game day and i say every time eugene oregon yeah
1: this is the best crowd honestly it's six in the morning here yeah it's hard. Yeah. it's raining they don't care <laughs> no, they don't. these fans right here pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country this program is staged to compete and to win championships <laughs> When we watch this film, does our effort beat thirst Here's Bo Nix, guns it! Touchdown, Oregon! they making deposits, time to cash a check. Sound at Austin,
0: which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win.
1: Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school man it feels great to be a duck welcome to the qb11 show presented by scoop duck with doug andrew and j-hop
0: here are the guys with the latest scoop good morning and welcome in to the qb11 show presented by scoop duck i am doug scott of course joined by andrew qb11 how are you today i'm doing well how are you doing I am doing well as well. Uh, I don't know why I've said that twice now on this podcast. It sounds awful. I need to stop. Uh,
2: yeah, you're <laughs> doing, Justin, yeah. you're
0: also with us today. Uh, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well as well as well.
1: <laughs> I
0: love it. I'm so
2: uh, excited that...
1: everyone is doing well.
0: <laughs> I, I know the listeners, the first thing they're interested to hear about is the latest on our pickleball exploits. Uh, so any updates there from either of you?
1: No, I've been so busy I haven't had a chance to play. Um,
0: no pickleball. No. Sad.
2: Yeah. I'm playing, pretty- tom- I'm playing tomorrow. Because it's supposed to be 60 degrees and sunny here in, Med- in Medford, so I'm going to get out there and play, but Is
0: this I am a uh, 78-year-old.
2: Well, probably cuz it'll be the middle of the day. So yeah, it'll it'll I'm sure it'll be a bunch, you know, a bunch of uh of more seasoned type players, if you will.
0: <laughs> Does it give you a sense of accomplishment to be the 78-year-old? Uh yes, it should.
1: They have a lot of time it, to get good at like
2: yeah, they play three times as much as I do. That's for sure, <laughs> at least. But I, 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 I am.
1: I, I think that I Doug do. is greatly overestimating how important athleticism is in pickleball. Like it's really not, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. But I
2: agree. So I might actually you think, be
1: able to compete. Is what you're saying? I, I wasn't. If, no. Yes.
2: If you can hit the touch shots, you got you got games. You'll be right in there. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, you just got to own the kitchen, Doug. Uh, all yeah. right. Oh, speaking of,
0: um, I, I got a Peloton update oh I know my you know I said a couple episodes ago my peloton was arriving so it did arrive about a week and a half ago but unfortunately the shoes did not come with it so I had to wait another week to get my shoes and uh, I got those on Monday and I've, I've I'm on a two-day streak now I went on a ride Monday and Tuesday and then today's Wednesday so I'll do another one later today and it's uh it's good it feels good that's awesome Doug I'm proud of you
2: it's got to help your mood and your energy and stuff. You know what I mean? It's just good for your body.
0: Yeah. I was in a really grumpy mood on Monday, like the whole day. And I got on the Peloton, I don't know, like in the evening, like maybe eight o'clock or something. And I got off and I felt like a hundred times better.
1: You got to start yeah. your day with it. Like I, so a couple guys I work with, we've started going to the gym every morning at 5am and like, it's brutal getting out of bed at four 30 sucks. But when we're done and you get home and like, you're like, it's six 30 or Six forty-five, and you've already like a completely accomplished your workout. It just makes your day feel like a thousand times easier. Yeah, so I hear you. It, it's all awesome. recommend. I love having... get your ass out of bed and hop right on that thing in the morning.
0: Well, I, I've so far I've haven't done any live classes. I've just done like pre-recorded ones. But I did start perusing like the daily live like options, and like most of the ones I want to take are pretty freaking early in the morning because we're on West Coast time, of course. So. I might have to uh, might have to try that.
1: Well, I'm proud of you for getting it. It's going to be, I think, it's going to make a good impact in your life. I think so too. All right, uh, moving on.
0: What do we want to talk about first today?
1: Well, we could run through uh, this uh, pro day stuff real quick.
0: Pro day, perfect. Yeah. So the Ducks uh, hosted their pro day yesterday. I think there was 12 members, uh, 12, I guess, former players on the Ducks team that participated in pro day all of the ones who are at the nfl combine as well as six more that were not um do you want to just run down the list or maybe just start with like you know kind of things we've noticed or standouts or i guess uh, maybe that's the place to start qb why don't we start with you
1: um yeah i mean so the the guys that we talked about from the combine didn't test as much um so like noah Christian Gonzalez, um, Bass, Sala. Well, Sala didn't run the 40 again, but most of the guys that were at the combine didn't run again. Um, and so really it's mostly just talking about the new the new data we have. So guys like Bennett Williams, um, he, he ran a 4.66 and a 4.70. Uh, jumped a little better than he tested on, in the explosive uh, straight line speed, 34-inch vertical, 10 broad jump. Um, his pro is four, four, two, one, and it's actually very strong for, um, a player like him. Uh, but the questions about his long speed and range that we all had watching film are very present in these times. Like he's not, I don't know that he's a draftable player. If he does get drafted, it'll be late kind of similar to Brady breeze where it's like, he'll kill the interviews with the team and they'll see a, a fit right in the later rounds. And they just don't want to leave it up to, uh, him in undrafted free agency to pick their organization. So, I mean, I I got my fingers crossed. I hope he gets drafted. I thought he was a very good player, um, but he does have some athletic limitations in regards to straight line speed and range.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I don't, uh, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of numbers there and we don't really know a lot about which, you know, pro teams may have left more impressed or less impressed, but, I mean, I guess if you're just kind of taking a look at some of the numbers and, and crunching them based on what we knew about these players kind of going into this, um, I think we talked about this briefly, but I think Chase Cota probably helped himself a little bit there uh, with his vertical jump, with his broad jump, um, a decent 40 time, probably not the best, but a, I mean it's good enough and, you, and you've got a good three cone. So I don't think this faults him into a first or second round player by any means, but I think this might move him into... You know the late round considerations and a little bit more of a stronger position for that uh obviously he'll continue to to do some private workouts and things of that nature but i thought chase coda did really well um the only other thing that really stood out to me i suppose was that noah sewell just didn't do very much um you know so that uh, you know did did three cones from what we could tell and they measured you know obviously hand and wingspan and height and weight um outside of that noah sewell i guess you could just call indifferent didn't really Perk or help his stock, but it does give you some maybe pause, if you will, that he's not doing uh, some of the testing, and you just maybe start to kind of wonder why a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't get too caught up in that. Guys that go to the combine don't need to really work out at the pro day. Um, it's like one, it's one or the other, right? You'll see guys go to the combine and do interviews, but not do any testing and save it for their pro day. Um, but then you'll see guys who go to the combine, and then their pro day is more about interviews and, and on field drills, really getting to work with mm-hmm. team specific coaches. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, I mean, the guys that were at the combine, I didn't expect them to do much. It's cool to see Ryan walk doing everything again, but maybe trying to improve on some of his times, but there was nothing about Noah Sewell's combine that makes me think he would have improved drastically in the last week and a half um, to put up substantially better numbers in a, in a, in a pro day. Um, but yeah, I think going back to chase Cota, he tested really well, 37 and a half inches in the vertical 10, six in the broad four, five and four, five, two, um, Good, good pro agility, 416. His three cone is very, very strong. Um, and he's a big kid, right? 6'3 and a quarter, 201 pounds. I think he, ultimately he's going to be a guy that's an undrafted free agent. But if Johnny Johnson can stick, I think Chase Coda can stick. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him stick on a team uh, and be a special teams contributor.
0: Yeah, I was going to, one of my questions was going to be, you know, did anyone anyone particularly of people not at the pro at the nfl combine did anyone here kind of play their way into draftability um sounds like the consensus is maybe chase but more likely he, he played him played his way into into a udfa spot which he, he might have gotten already but he certainly certainly like you said tested very well and i think that was the standout of the day uh, on all accounts
1: yeah i just I, again like none of these times are all that surprising like i, I think we've always known Chase Cotto was a good testing athlete going all the way back to when he was at the, uh, the opening finals the last year was in Eugene um, or not Eugene in, in, in Beaverton because um, they did all this testing then. And he tested well at that time and you'd expect over time that his times would improve. I, I just think that for him, it's more about the tape. Like he's just not a particularly, explosive guy on the outside. Um, He's more of a possession receiver. He catches absolutely everything. I mean, he's a really, he's a, he's a willing ish blocker. I I was actually kind of disappointed with him as a blocker this year. So I don't know. We'll see. I think, I think ultimately he's an undrafted free agent, but you never know a team could fall in love with him and draft him late.
0: So putting aside the six players who were at the combine, and then also we talked about Bennett and chase and kind of their situations and I'm also going to not talk about the two specialists that, that uh, performed yesterday. So that just leaves two other guys. I'm curious your take on, are these guys who get camp invites or are they just, um, you know, not even at that level. And, and that would be Ryan walk and Jordan Riley.
1: I think they'll both get camp invites. I would be surprised if they didn't. Um, but I just, I think that their prospects are a little long. I'm actually surprised that Ryan walk was an honest six, two in an in eighth. Um, I would have expected him to be closer to six foot. So good for him. Um, that that actually gives him more of a shot. Uh, but, I mean, he's got super short arms. Like having T-Rex arms in the NFL is not something that's going to work. Um, and so I, I don't have a lot of hope for him to make a team. Um, but I think he'll absolutely get a shot in a camp. And I would say the same for Jordan Riley, who also has like relative to his massive frame, not the longest arms in the world.
2: Yeah, I I think I I agree on both takes. I think Jordan Riley is a guy that's probably got a better shot there. um, Just with a little bit of some of the numbers he was able to post. And I think he's just got some athleticism um, that a lot of teams are, are going to like, but uh, again, neither of these guys, you know, nailed a home run where it's, where it, you know, significantly improves their, their position uh, in my opinion. And, and uh you know, I, I think that's something we kind of knew, right? Like this Oregon team was just a little bit short on, on kind of top end talent. And, uh, you know, the bulk of it that they had was on defense, um, you know, with Gonzo and Noah Sewell kind of being the headliners, DJ Johnson a little bit, um, in this class, but hopefully in the coming years, in the next year or two, uh, we'll see that Oregon has more draftable prospects and, and that's kind of like the name of the game, right? That's the, the logical next step for Dan Lanning is bringing in those kind of guys and and maybe allowing him to not have to be so active in the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, I, I always felt, and I think we talked about this on the signing day podcast, like it's going to be a transition over time away from the portal into more peer prep recruiting. But I don't think that Oregon is ever going to recruit at the level that like Georgia or Alabama does where you're not – at all reliant on the portal. I think there's always going to be um, the ability to fill a gap, um, fix a, like a depth issue um, and, 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 it, and improve your roster through the portal. Whereas um, I think at a school like Georgia, like we've seen this year was kind of the first year this, this offseason in particular that they were active at all um, through the portal. So they took a couple of receivers Uh, But yeah, we'll see. I I think that Oregon will always be active in the portal, but I do think that you'll see proportionally it shrink relative to the incoming uh, freshman classes um, as these landing classes get in and start to develop.
2: Totally agree. And that was kind of my point is instead of taking 15 guys, they'll get it down to 10. And, you know, next thing you know, it'll be maybe five or six or seven. But like you said, they're always going to have to take guys. They're just not, you know, Oregon's just not in a talent rich state. Uh, like Georgia or near the other talent-rich states, so I think transfer portal is always going to be something that they that they do dabble in. I just think the number will get a little bit less and less as as things progress.
0: All right, shall we move on to spring ball? Spring ball. So I think we have some dates. As we know, the Oregon spring game itself will be on Saturday, April 29th. Um, And I think I read that it's the only Pac-12 spring game on that date. Um, Ten of the other program spring games are either on the 15th or the 22nd of April. And then I think UCLA, at the time I read this, hadn't announced their spring game date yet. I don't know if that's changed, but... Uh, I thought it was interesting that Oregon is kind of the only one on that date and the the last of of all the Pac-12 spring games. But now we have some information, I think, too, about uh, spring practices. And and when do those get started up, Justin?
2: Yeah, so um, obviously uh, we are recording this on a Wednesday, uh, midday, and uh, the first practice will be tomorrow, which is Thursday, March 16th. Uh, In the morning time, uh, I'd have to go back and look at the notes, but it's somewhere around 10 a.m. 11 a.m. is when you'll start to hear stuff trickle out um, about practice. So um, a very so far. So, you know, just to give everyone kind of the knowledge, uh, you know, what we're looking at is, you know, an email gets sent out to media um, and and generally gives them kind of who which coaches will be available to talk to after um, practice, what time practice is at, when you should be there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, in, and in other s- scenarios, there's been times where we've gotten like a whole week or two weeks schedule. Um, but m- for the most part, under Dan Landing, it's always been like one or two practices. It's been a little shorter um, and made it a little harder to schedule around. So I'm uh, just giving some background information. I know that's not inside scoop, but so what we were given has basically told us that there will be practice Thursday. Coach Lanning will be made available after that practice, similar to last year. The first 15 to 20 minutes will be open for media. The rest of practice will be closed. Um, Video is not allowed. Photography is allowed in that 15 to 20 minute section. Um, So pretty similar layout to what we saw last year. And again, all we've been given so far is that Thursday and Saturday, there will be a practice. So, you know, you kind of wonder how spring break. Uh, You know, if they will take a break in the middle there or how that will impact things. Um, So I don't have those answers just yet. But, yeah, we're about to get a couple underway. And so far, all we know is that Coach Lanning will be made available um, following both of those practices. So uh, hopefully he'll give us a little bit of insight into what he's seen from this team so far.
0: Yeah, I think I had read previously they were planning on doing two practices, then having the spring break, and then the, the remaining 12 practices plus the spring game after the spring break, which would would all be in April then. So this kind of lines up with that. I, if they have those two practices this week and then a week off and then come back and, and get back into it, it, it kind of lines up with that narrative.
2: Um, yeah, and if, if I recall correctly, I think that's what he did last year as well.
1: That sounds familiar. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. That, that sounds like what they did do- last year. Do we know uh, of early enrollees and transfers who is not available for the first two weeks, but will be available post spring break when the um, spring quarter starts?
2: Uh, No, I don't. I don't know any of that currently. So that's something that I can dig into and and try to take a look at.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting. I think that'd be a good article idea um, just to see, because I think that's one of the benefits of starting later at Oregon is because the quarter system, you might be able to get a kid or two or three or even a transfer to two in um, that otherwise would have had to be summer enrollees, but you get to get them in for the three quarters of spring work. Yeah. Three quarters of spring ball. Um, and they get to spend more time on campus with the team. Yeah. Definitely. And that's the
0: real benefit of doing it, of, of doing spring ball after the spring bake, you know, instead of before, I right? obviously have the two practices before, but if you have, like, I'm thinking of, and I don't know that he's enrolling now, but like, let's say someone like a jury on Dickey arrives you know, after spring break, he would be able to participate in 13 of the 15 spring practices. Um, you know, other other players of that ilk. I think all of the transfers are on campus except for Taishim Johnson. But uh, don't hold me to that. But that's my recollection from the last couple months.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up after spring break. So that'd be interesting right. to, to monitor.
0: Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. I, I agree, definitely- Justin. That's a good article. Get on it.
2: Yeah, well, you know, never mind. I won't say it, but yes, I will work on. I will work on that. I was going to say I can start working on that right now, except I can't do anything else on my phone.
1: <laughs>
2: oh gosh, oh, here we go. You for know, those who, for those who take a dedicated podcast,
0: hour to record the podcast, hop, come on.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm one of those. I don't know about you guys, but I'm one of those people like. I pretty much have to do it when it's like right in front of me on my mind or else I'll, Oh yeah, I'll do that later. And then I don't do it later. Like I, that's just, I've become that person where it's like, okay, you tell me to do something. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna do it right now. Because if I don't, I'll forget about it, but I'll, I'll remember that. I I promise.
1: No, you're good. I'm, I'll am i remind you. I'm a checklist guy. Um, for me, it's like, especially cause like I, I usually the way that life goes, right? Like everything comes in waves. So I won't have anything for like 30 minutes and then all of a sudden I'll have 10 things that need to be done in 10. And so like, just being able to mark <laughs> things off the checklist is uh, very satisfying for me. It's something I need to continue to work on that organization. So maybe I'll be your accountability partner, uh, J-Hop, and we'll get you. I'll start sending you texts throughout the day.
2: Perfect. I need I need more text messages in my day, so perfect. <laughs> no, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where you just, you know, you get pulled a different direction and and all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap. Got to do that. So, uh, but yeah, you've you've got to think that that Oregon's going to have, uh, you know, probably at least maybe a half dozen more of these guys coming in um, at some point after spring break, and so that'll be uh, you know that'll be very valuable to to the to the program. And these guys only missing two practices means they're effectively getting a full spring spring practice in, so that's great for them.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. As we've been talking about the last few weeks, we're now in the visit period. Um, I know Oregon has had pretty quiet visit weekends the first two weekends here in March. I mean, they had I think they had one or two visitors the first weekend. They had the the Air Seven on Seven team up as well, um, and I know it's obviously building toward a big visit list on the spring game weekend at the end of April. But there's still you know five other weeks between now and the, five other weekends between now and then. Hop, do you? not not to give away all your paid content so people should go over to scoopduck.com and check that out and get all the inside scoop but any highlights on uh you know so maybe some notable players or, or maybe even just some notable weekends that we should look for uh kind of a big visit list
2: for Oregon. well right yeah no a great question and um you know a couple things to go with that right now just and this will change this will totally uh, change but right now the two biggest weekends that we're currently aware of happen to be this weekend uh, where the staff has kind of had this circled. Um, and I think that they did that on purpose, uh, knowing that they could get recruits on campus. Um, and keep in mind, it's spring break around the country starting up. So not everybody's on the same spring break schedule. Texas on a different schedule than California, et cetera, than, the, than back East, Florida, whatever. They're all on different spring break cycles. So you know that allows for the staff here right now to bring in visitors midweek right so you can get uh, guys in on a tuesday or a wednesday and have them hang out for a couple days and they can be you know kind of the only guy in town which is nice so for instance again we're recording on a wednesday and yesterday uh, oregon hosted vandegrift texas offensive lineman blake frazier he's got michigan texas some really big offers to his name uh, it's great to see coach terry uh you know getting out there and recruiting and finding some of his own guys or or maybe just kind of building on relationships that coach coach clam has already had in place so that's one i do i do think that this weekend serves a purpose because again you're going to have a practice tomorrow and you're going to have a practice saturday so if you happen to bring in some guys thursday friday they're going to be able to see a practice which i think is important i think that's one of the best selling points uh for a program we know oregon sells its facilities and all of those things are great uh, but I think it really takes it a level up when you're able to have these guys come around and watch your coaches practice, and see the culture of your team, and 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 listen to the players and what they're saying about the program. Um, so I think that's why this weekend's been circled for Oregon. They've been relatively quiet so far the first two two periods. Um, so this weekend, I I would say that it's probably. And keep in mind, there's visitors that come in that, that probably don't get mentioned. And some of the reasons for that is obviously that the staff has guys that are a high priority and other guys that they're bringing in that might be for relationships, that might be guys that they're looking to see develop down the line. Uh, and as we know, Oregon recruits at such a high level that you're, you know, you're being pretty selective on, on the people that you're targeting early. So this weekend seems to have at least a legitimate 12 to 15 names on it. Um, got an early list that we'll continue going over, but it's got a legitimate 12 to 15 names on it of guys that have an Oregon offer or Oregon targets um, are pretty, you know, decorated recruits. And, and again, they're going to do that because they're going to have practice on Saturday. So you can bring these recruits in. Maybe they get in Friday night. Maybe they get in midday Friday. Uh, more than likely, you're doing film that day or meetings or position group meetings and things like that, which are also very important and great for recruits to see. Uh, and then the next one that we know of, getting to your question, that was really long, but the next one is spring game so far. You know, I think they've really circled that date. I think it does Oregon well, being the only spring game currently in the Pac-12 that weekend. Um, most of the rest of your major football teams are are already going to be done with spring football at that time, with a lot of them opting to go earlier, uh, just due to weather, just due to other things. Uh, Oregon tends to go a little bit later. And uh, again, probably somewhat to do with the with the uh, academic calendar as well. So yeah, you've got those two weekends and I think what you'll have in between, I'm not sure that we'll have another like just massive keynote type of weekend, but you'll probably have pretty consistent weekends of three to five, six guys coming in, maybe even midweek at times coming in uh, and getting a visit. And, and seeing the staff and, and potentially seeing a practice as well. So that's what we know right now, but it is, as you guys know, I know you guys follow recruiting for a long time. This gets to be a pretty fun time in the recruiting calendar because things really start picking up really quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, to add to that, I think what you said is right too. I and I, I would be curious to know um, in regards to the spring ball, if other teams in the West Coast footprint avoided trying to compete with Oregon spring game or if Oregon specifically set this date with, I mean, obviously there's schedule implications in regards to like getting guys in for the third, uh, third quarter um, academically. But I also think that there's implications for recruiting where you are the only show on a Saturday and you can get every single one of your top guys all on campus at the same time. You don't have to worry about uh, any crossover with USC. Um, and so I, I think that that can be, Extremely beneficial. So I'm, I'm curious how much of that is Oregon going out of their way, and how much of that is uh, USC and other programs not wanting to compete with Oregon in that same weekend.
2: Yeah, maybe a bit of both, right? I mean, it, it seems like that could be the case, and I don't know the answer to that. I, obviously, neither of us really do, but it's a interesting question, and I do I do think I don't know you know, we'll get Doug's thoughts as well, but I I think it's a really good move for Oregon to be the only spring game, to be late in April. I think that's going to allow for them to get bigger names than they normally would if you're competing, say, with USC and Alabama and Florida for the same, you know, handful of recruits all to pick which one they're going to. It's pretty easy for them to say, well, you know, everybody else is done. Oregon's got a game. I'm gonna go check them out.
1: Well, yeah, not only that, but I think that you're, the later into the season you get, the better the weather is in Eugene. Um, it makes the, it gives you more ability to practice outside. I think there's a lot of benefits, both recruiting um, and just team wise to delaying spring game until later. And yeah, we talked about the
0: benefits because of the, the academic quarter system and, and all the things you just said, I would, I would echo as well. And obviously it makes sense for, for places like Arizona, Arizona state, you know, some of you know, Southern Cal, like those schools to start earlier. Cause they got, the weather that allows it obviously teams in the Southeast and Texas and whatnot, same thing. Right. So I think it's, I think it's very strategic by Oregon to, to go later uh, for all the reasons you have all have touched on. And um, yeah, you know, I think it makes a ton of sense and it's right before the, the transfer portal window closes. So, it, you know, players are not going to be, you know, they're, they're going to have all the information they need to make those decisions you know as, as the end of spring ball approaches or hits right so they're gonna know i need to hit the portal i don't need to hit the portal i have a role i don't have a role um and, and as we recall the portal window got moved up slightly so it actually opens on april 15th and closes uh, on april 30th um so what's interesting to me about that timeline in the portal is do we see players and this isn't just apply to Oregon but potentially elsewhere as well, do we see players who actually hit the portal like mid-spring ball? And I don't I don't maybe this is a crazy question, right but if the portal opens on April 15th, you're halfway through spring, let's just say Oregon just because that's who we're talking about. You're halfway through spring practices. Is there some player who who gets through seven or eight practices, realizes this is where they're at, and says, ah, "I'm going to portal now," or do they just like stick it out and wait till the wait till the end of spring ball and portal then? I, I, it's an interesting question. I don't have an answer or a, an opinion. I just, it's I'll be interested to see if that happens to anyone.
2: Well, and I think you know maybe to your point, um, obviously those guys that are going to be highly coveted, and if that's something that they're thinking about doing, typically you know. They're gonna let a couple of schools that they're interested know about that beforehand, right? So they're, you know, if there's somebody at at Alabama that's thinking about jumping in the portal because, like you said, they don't like where they're at, or it's just not, they're not jiving with the new position coach, whatever the case might be, you know, they're probably gonna send some feelers out to to Oregon and and USC and whoever and say, hey, look, you know, next couple of weeks, just keep an eye out, you know. Um, so those things will definitely happen too, which which don't become public until they happen, but usually oregon or whoever has a pretty good beat on those things so yeah i mean the, the chance portal is so weird right it's so aggressive you've got to, you've got to be on top if you're not i mean it's literally if you're not first you're last you know kind of a deal
0: yeah absolutely qb got anything on that
1: yeah i mean i just i don't th- there might be a couple guys i think that i think that most immediate contributors have already hit the portal you might see some things something shake loose here. Maybe guys that signed with the school, position coaches moved, uh, stuff of that nature, but I don't I don't know. I, I think that for the most part, a lot of these teams are at or right near 85 scholarships, and so the risk entering the transfer portal later is much higher that you're not going to land somewhere. So um, I, I don't think that we're going to see as much movement here in this second portal window, at least in. Uh, i think there's obviously some doug where are we at on numbers uh we're still at 92. yeah so there's going to be some out movement um but i don't know that oregon's going to be super active with more adding additional incoming players
2: well the only thing that i i wonder about and this is just you know, we haven't really seen it evolve yet but if you think about it there was more uh coaching turnover and we're well, not head coaching but coaching turnover in february than we've seen in years past. And I just wonder if that will be something that becomes like a next again, to your point, um, Andrew, I we will not see near the numbers uh in this transfer portal window that we did in the last one. But it could get interesting with some of the, you know, like for instance, for Oregon, Adrian Clem left after the signing period. Um, you know, you've just got some guys that moved late that were some pretty good recruiters out there. And you wonder if that will impact things or it absolutely could, you know, be nothing.
1: Yeah, I just think that with NIL and and some of the other aspects, the head coach is a lot more important than position coaches at this point um, in regards to like roster continuity. So um, I think that by and large, if you're a starter quality or a rotational quality player, at this point, you're going to stay put where you're going to see movement of the guys that are basically getting cut to a free up room for incoming signing classes. And in a lot of ways, like spring ball is kind of like MLB spring training now, where guys are competing for roster spots. Um, in, in a sense because there's only so many spots to go around and uh, teams are being really aggressive about ac- acquiring talent through the portal.
0: All right. You know what time it is, right? It's our favorite time.
1: Listener questions? No. Realignment. Oh. Oh, no. Hot <laughs> realignment talk. <laughs> All right, Doug. You, uh, you have 15 <laughs> minutes. Let it rip. <laughs>
2: We'll just sit back and watch the show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of the thing that won't die. It's been really entertaining to me watching um, watching these media members like subtweet each other constantly. You know, it, it feels like you have media members who are both carrying water for the Pac-12 and other ones who are carrying water for the Big 12. And just the way that this whole thing has played out so publicly on Twitter uh, between the fan bases and Yormak and his kind of, I would say, Twitter army of like PR people uh, pushing narratives, and 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 then the, the Pac-12 has mostly been radio silent. It's a, it's it's been a really entertaining thing. Um, not a whole lot of, of real news news has happened in the last week, but there is there has been some interesting stuff that's come out. Actually, today both Arizona, the Arizona president and the Arizona state president were both kind of uh, put in interviews today. One by John Wilner over at the Mercury News. The Arizona president actually pretty lengthy commentary. uh, Arizona state president was in a a local paper down there. I can't recall the name of, but the message from both of them was the same: is their their desire, their strong preference is to stay in the Pac-12. They believe a media deal is very close to happening and will be comparable money to the big 12 deal and nobody's gonna I think the Arizona president is on record as saying no one's gonna change conferences for a couple million bucks um, and so it, it seems to be the you know there's but there's also this other narrative that's been out there is like Colorado and Arizona are ready to jump to the big 12 tomorrow um, so it, it's interesting to, to see these dueling narratives I, I think the reality is is that and I've said this I don't think any of the existing schools want to change conferences um, outside of obviously you know some invite came to the Big Ten which doesn't exist currently that invite doesn't exist currently but none of these schools want to move from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 or the Pac-12 to the ACC or any other conference outside of the power to uh, so the reality is as long as a media deal is presented that is acceptable to them then the conference will will sign it and they'll stay together
2: yeah i think that's the best way to look at it too. So i think you i think you just said something a moment ago that that fans probably haven't really sat down and thought about let's you know let's say for example you know uh, klivkov can get them a deal which nets them about 25 million dollars each all right we're just we're just using a number but that's what he's able to do they're not going to jump to the big 12 for 30 million okay, or 27 million or 28 or 29. I mean, it's going to need to be something that basically lures them. And and I think that, you know, I think that if you're Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, whoever, if you're one of those four corner schools, I think they did a great job of of saying, hey, look, we're still committed to the Pac-12 and we'd love to see this work. But there's no mistake that they're not obviously doing some back channel work and saying, hey, Big 12, what do you have? and that's just negotiation. That's just being smart and looking out for your own school. So I very much believe that's happening. And like you said, it it certainly seems like it seems like most media has really clung on to, you know, and I, I don't blame them because when you get a source and they're good to you, you're going to tend to give that source the benefit of the doubt, probably scratch their back a little bit, make them look a little better. And that's what we're seeing kind of on a national scale with some of these conferences and, uh, Yeah, I I don't have a lot, obviously not, not much has happened. I think the biggest moving needle in the last little bit's just been, you know, the, the, the notion that the big 10 might be close to hiring a commissioner. Of course, a report comes out today and says they're not going to do that till May. You don't know who to believe, but it seems as though that's kind of like the tipping point of at least for Oregon and Washington and what their options might be.
0: Yeah, I, I know I've, I've been on record of, of saying this, and I'll continue to be on record of saying this is I. I don't think the Big Ten invite is coming for Oregon and Washington in this go around of realignment. I I, I firmly believe that. Um, I, I don't want that to be the case, but um, I just don't think it is. And I think the the commissioner timeline not being hired until May. I I think that definitely work. I don't think the that Oregon. I think at some point Oregon and Washington are going to be faced with this dilemma of. There's a Pac-12 media deal on the table. Everyone's willing to agree to it, and you either have to sign it or, or gamble that you might get an invite to the Big Ten later. I,
1: that's a pretty risky. But what leverage to do they have? So they don't. We, that's the that's the thing. Well, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about the Pac-12. Like, what leverage do they have over Oregon and Washington to make them sign something permanent? I mean, I would say that that the
0: schools that have offers to go to the Big Twelve can say, okay, we're ready to sign on this Pac-12 deal for the next five years. Let's do it. And if we're going to watch and say, no, we want to wait a month and a half. I mean, at some point, doesn't Arizona and Colorado say, okay, well, if you're not willing to commit to this, why, you know, we got to take what we have, you know, from the big 12 instead, because they can't be sitting there like left holding the bag of Oregon and
1: Washington hold out for two months and then jump ship. Yeah. I just, I think that people underestimate like the political influence that goes into this as well. Just, just from like a university president standpoint and like administration, because these, these schools aren't moving, like, like, for instance, like there's, there's a broad swath of schools remaining in the PAC 10 that just wouldn't go to the big 12 because the, the universities don't want to be affiliated. Right. Yeah. Right. At, le- right. at least four and, and, and probably
0: more. Right. I, I mean, think Warren there's and Washington more and I think Stanford and Cal would never go. And I, right.
1: Yeah. And I and think I Colorado and Utah don't want to go either. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I was like, I think that even the four corner schools, I think that the, the mountain schools would be less likely to jump at the first opportunity. Again, this is more from an administrative standpoint, not from an athletic department standpoint, because Correct. Correct. If, that's if what we're talking a... about here.
0: That's what drives realignment, right? People yeah. need to
1: understand that it's not being driven
0: by athletic departments.
1: Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. I mean, I don't know one way or another, obviously, because if we did know, then we wouldn't have to talk about this every week. Um, but I think ultimately what's going to end up happening is, um, the, well, hold that thought. Cause I want to,
0: I want to get into predictions here in a
1: second. Oh, <laughs> Oh.
0: so, uh, on that note, there there was a couple rumors that have come around this this last few days that haven't been substantiated by any reputable media person, but they are out there that potentially there is a a, a president's meeting, a Pac-12 president's meeting early next week where they will be presented with the media rights offer, if you will. So potentially that could happen and could you know before we record again. So I want to before that happens, I want us to kind of go on record with our predictions. So my question to both of you is this, what conference will Oregon be a member of for the
1: 2024 football season? QB, go ahead now with your prediction. I, I actually do think it'll be the Big Ten. I think ultimately Oregon and Washington will go at reduced shares once a new, once a new commissioner is hired. Um, I think that whatever whatever political forces are at play against that on the Big Ten side from the smaller schools, uh, the the Rutgers, the Minnesotas, the um, Northwesterns. I think that those will get quelled in favor of adding uh, really solid brands at a at a substantial discount. Um, so I think I think ultimately that's what's going to end up happening. Is which is why I don't think I'd be very surprised if Oregon and Washington re-upped their granted rights with the Pac-10. I don't see any reason why they they should.
0: Okay, Hop, what's your prediction? Twenty twenty-four. Where is Oregon playing football?
2: uh i much to my surprise uh i i don't agree with andrew i do think it's with the pack um and and probably the biggest sticking point for me is just the you know for example the big 10 doesn't have a commissioner place right we know that that's that's factual let's say they hire somebody tomorrow okay tomorrow and that which is not realistic that person's not going to go and then go right in and expand within the next month probably not going to happen just way too much going on there that I think this happens. If in my bet, which has kind of been where I've le- kind of been leaning the last couple weeks is that some revision of the PAC-12 is done. I bet it's probably a short-term deal versus a long-term deal. I think it, it's probably the best band-aid that Klievkov can put on the conference and keeping it together. But that said, I do think that under that revision, Oregon and Washington do get a little bit bigger piece of the pie. Maybe not a massive difference, but maybe a little bit. And I think your guys's point earlier about a lot of the other remaining Pac-10 presidents wanting to stay in the Pac, I think they're willing to, to give up that little bit to keep Oregon and Washington in the conference, knowing that those are, those are your schools you've got to have. You've got to have those two schools to keep this thing together. So that to me just seems to be the most realistic option right now is some short-term revised deal where oregon gets a little bit bigger piece of the pie to remain in the pac-10 i don't and just to further that i don't think it would include any expansion with smu or san diego state or anybody as well
0: yeah just to um i agree with you justin I, if i was going to make a prediction right now I, my prediction is that oregon will be playing in the Pac pack whatever it's called, pack 12, pack 10, um, you know, for the, for the 2024 season and, and the next few seasons beyond, I think, I think a five-year deal seems like the most likely to me. So it ends around 2029, a, a year before the the big 10 deal ends, or maybe it coincides with, I don't think they want to coincide with the big 10 deal. So I think the five years makes sense, um, which would be two years ahead of the new big 12 deal, which I think is also strategic. So I, that'd be my prediction as well. Uh, going back a little bit, I, something that was, you know, there was a lot of rumor a few days ago that Arizona and Colorado were, were imminently going to jump ship to the big 12. And I, I kind of did some thinking about it and I'm like, would that even change the PAC 12 media deal? Like, I mean, those are the two least watched teams in the entire conference. Right. Without even, you know, if I'm, if I'm ESPN or Amazon or whatever, like I'm not putting their games on my network anyway. Like does the money even change if you lose those two and and I don't think it does and then I think one of the one of I think uh one of the national guys reported something similar like later the same day going that they actually think the the per school revenue would actually go up by removing those in Colorado, <laughs> Colorado would go up by a couple million. Now, obviously you need a certain number of schools to be viable, but I think the point being is that even in the quote unquote doomsday scenario, let's say where those two teams jump ship, like the pack could easily at that point, just add, just add SMU and San Diego state and have 10 schools and continue and get a probably summerable media deal than they would get with Arizona and Colorado. Like it's it, it does, when you're talking about shuffling the teams at the bottom of the Of the pecking order honestly doesn't matter because all the media value is driven by the teams at the top right like you could remove the bottom half of the big 10 and replace them with any 10 random schools in the country and their media deal wouldn't change one bit because the media deal is about ohio state michigan Penn state nebraska uh and usc and wisconsin and wisconsin yeah i mean this guy wasn't naming them all but yeah the top half let's just say
2: right right Right. Anyway,
0: that's my prediction as well. I think uh, I think we'll stay together, but maybe we'll have news on this if this if this rumored uh, presentation of the of the deal happens before our next recording, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Of course.
2: Well, all right now, w- QB. Go, w- ahead. go ahead. What? What go ahead. I want to say this. I know that maybe we feel bad, like we keep talking about this every week, but we shouldn't because I mean it is the dominating topic. And I will say I, I feel as though we, as a group, as a podcast, have done a really good job of of trying not to be conjecturing and here's what my sources say, just kind of recapping, you know, putting everything together, Doug, you've done a tremendous job kind of covering it from all angles. And I just think that even though we've dedicated some time on the podcast to it, we've done it in a pretty respectful manner that kind of covers it, gives you an overview, but says, Hey, this is, you know, this makes the most sense, but none of us are sitting here talking like we have facts to spill or sources or anything like that. So I just kind of wanted to say that as well.
0: Uh, anybody who says he has sources on this is full of shit i mean there's there's (laughs) there's the circle of where this is happening is so tight like there's very very few sources out there and this and the information that does get leaked is leaked very intentionally by people who have specific agendas right so i think that's the that's the part people have to understand when they're parsing all this is uh you know why why is this information being leaked who's leaking it what's their agenda what's their reasoning and also like what we touched on before is like don't like you can't approach these decisions like a fan. Like the the people making these decisions don't make them based on, oh, I w- my team is a basketball school and I want them to be in the basketball conference that is the Big Twelve. That's not how these decisions are made. Right? We, right, and we can, as fans, people can say I don't like that. Right, I wish it was made based on those things, but that's not how it actually works. And I think people need people need to understand that this whole realignment thing. And 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 what's just so funny though is the whole like. Big 12 versus Pac-12 thing. And whenever I'm on Twitter and there's some Big 12, um, you know, Big 12 person like pushing, you know, the Big 12 and ragging on the Pac-12 and I'll just come in and I'll like post some facts about the Big 12. And they're just like, oh, you're such a Pac-12 homer. And I'm like, I freaking hate the Pac-12, dude. Like, I don't want to be in this conference. (laughs) This conference is terrible. I'm not defending the Pac-12 at all. But thinking that, thinking that it's not, to me, it's not about Pac-12 versus Big 12. If you're not in the Power Two, it doesn't matter. Like you could be an ACC, Big Twelve, Pac Twelve. It's all just flip sides of the same coin, right? You're you're not inside the Power Two, so it, it really doesn't matter. And and you know, people get oh, the Big Twelve stable, the Big Twelve stable. Well, stability is not the goal. Like like stable yeah. isn't an asset necessarily, right? Like I mean, how stable are they going to be when their next contract comes up, right? And what, I mean, if, did? what if yeah, what if Fox and ESPN are like, you know what, we're spending, uh, you know we're spending two time slots a week on the big 12. What if I want to move those to the, you know, to, to air more big 10 and more sec games instead, like their next contract could take a no side. So can anyone's, if you're yeah. not in the power Two, it doesn't matter where you are. You're not, you're not in
2: the club. The, the no power Two. Are, well, say the power, the power Two are safe. Like you said, there's stability and they're safe. The rest, everybody's kind of a little bit of a gamble for sure.
0: Right. And the goal is revenue, not stability. Yeah. It's great. You're in a conference that you're in a conference in which none of your 12 teams will ever be poached. Yeah. That's stable, (laughs) but it's not like, that's not the goal. Right. Yeah. Anyway, we've beat this to death. Um, So now let's move on to your favorite segment, QB. We got some listener questions again. Um, okay, let's do it. All right. First question. Do you think the university of Michigan? Okay. Sorry. Do you think if the university of Missouri head coaching job opened up would Dan landing, be interested in taking it? This is from Noel cross. Would Dan go to the university of Missouri?
1: No. Next question. I, I don't that's not a good enough job. I understand it's in the SEC. I understand they can afford to pay a ton, but it's just not a it's not a high quality job, right? Like the type of job that he would leave for would be a top five or six job in that conference, not a bottom five or six job in that conference. Because that job gets worse with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC.
2: Yep. His 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 very brief Uh, coaching history has already taught us that he's not just uh, he's not a jumper he's not just taking a job to take a job he was methodical leaving georgia as a dc for oregon uh he's not gonna he's 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 plenty smart to know that that's not a step up for him now if if some of these sec schools come calling florida or somebody of that nature probably probably color me a little bit more concerned
1: yeah i think it would have to be one of the top five or six programs in that league to make sense. Yeah, I agree. The only way you would take Missouri, I
0: think, is if like something has seriously fallen off at Oregon where, you know, it, like the whole the whole thing is falling apart here. Right. Then yeah. it might be a different story, but I don't I don't see that as likely either. All right. If, next recruiting, if
2: recruiting violations are coming, he's out of here.
0: <laughs> hey, don't say that. Don't I know. That. Uh, next question from Eric Schoenbach. Uh, which of the wide receiver transfers do you think will have the most impact on the field?
1: go ahead go ahead andrew yeah i think i think it's a mixture i I think that you could probably flip a coin between holden and and johnson although i do think that johnson out of the slot brings a unique skill set um so i don't know and i think that the familiarity with nicks i I would if i had to guess you would have better production this year i think i'd probably go Tez johnson
2: that was my answer too yeah i think the familiarity with nicks you know Knicks is going to being close to him, I think is going to do all he can to, obviously within the system, but do all he can to put him um, on track for raising his profile and upping his his stock. So I, I think Tez Johnson's the logical answer there.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that one. I do think you know Holden could have a really successful year, but I, you know, it, obviously Troy's going to dominate the, you know, the catches and the outside receiver. Obviously, there are two positions. I understand that, but it's, it's still outside outside. Um, whereas I think, I think Tez could really be a difference maker in the slot and and, and Hudson was reasonably productive, productive there last year, right? He, he, you know, it was solid, It wasn't like above average level, but I I think Tez has a chance to to be more productive. I think the only way it might be holding is if Tez and, and Hudson maybe split more of the time at that spot where neither one of them produces high numbers, but combined their numbers are higher and that, and maybe... Holden would have higher numbers than either one of them, but lower than the combined total, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Next next question. Um, I'll start with you on this one, Justin. This is from Fuzzy Buttkiss. One option for the rest of your duck football life. Option A, dominate a revamped Pac-12, make the playoff almost every year, but get humiliated there. The exception being one magical season where the stars align and you win a natty. Option B, be a mid-tier Big Ten team, make the playoffs every four or five years, no natty, but tons more respect and money.
2: Um, so it feels like that person just described Oregon and USC uh, to, almost to a T. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go with option A, the first one. I, I do think that there's some, although this was a bit satirical, I do think that there's a little bit of a of a reasonable take there to it as well. I think Oregon uh, is poised to do that. I think I, I, option A for me.
1: Yeah, I'm going B. I, I just think that competing at the highest level in the biggest conferences and in, in front of the largest audiences is, is the goal. And uh, isn't and the news. goal to win a Natty? <laughs> well, I mean, yes, but like long-term staying power-wise, I think that the resources. I don't. I don't know how sustainable it is to win at a high level without those resources. I so, agree. but we're I'm,
0: playing. We were playing this fantasy world that he was. Okay, well, where...
1: in in this stupid fantasy. Okay, it's not stupid. I don't mean. that. I get you. I'm I fine. get you. Yeah, but like, you know what I mean. Clearly,
2: clearly, you've never played Roblox, buddy.
1: All right, nerd. <laughs> I,
0: I hear what you're saying, QB. I, I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> mean to. Touch, touch grass. I, I, I agree with you. In the in the real world, like you're not going to be able to sustain. You know success in a conference when you're three times your money is one third of what of what the big power two conferences are making so i i totally get that i think you know in this theoretical landscape that fuzzy butkus is painting if if option a includes a national title in my lifetime and option b doesn't then i'm going to take option a
1: yeah I, i would agree with that i think we'd all take a national title i just like thinking about like the direction of the program long term and not maybe like a six or a 12 year um like window I, I think that option B is the better option. And I think that the resources that option B provide would actually give you the better chance of winning a national title versus option A. But the, right. again, I digress. Like if the option is national title or no national title, then I will take the national title option.
0: Yeah, totally. All right. Uh, next question from Gecko. Predictions on when this PAC 12 deal will be signed, how much it will be per school, and ultimately whether Oregon stays in the pack this cycle or Moves to the big after a new commissioner is named. So we kind of touched on the last part of that. We made our predictions there. Uh, anyone have money predictions? And when?
2: Uh, I will. I'll go mid-April as a as a date. Mid-April signed and uh, money at twenty eight point five million. I'm gonna
1: go April twenty fifth at eight a.m. And I think that the total dollar value is somewhere in the range of 30 million. Yeah,
0: I'm going to say signed isn't the important part. I I think like publicly announced is probably the important part. Signing often takes a little bit later. So let's just put that aside for a second. I'm going to actually say earlier than you guys. I think it's going to be March. I think think the deal will be announced sometime before the end of March. Uh, I think even potentially... you know, information about it could start leaking as early as next week. So I'll say that. And then I will say, I mean, mean, we're all in the same range. I think it's going to be just under the big 12 value, um, you know, in the 28 to $30 million per year range. I do think it will be interesting to see. This might not come out when the media deal comes out because it doesn't have anything to do with the media deal. I do think it'll be interesting to see what the revenue sharing split is. Which yeah. again is it comes that's that's part of the granted rights agreement that the conference and the conference works that out amongst themselves. The, the media partners don't care, right? They say, here's what we're giving you. How you give it up is your business. So I think those two things won't necessarily be announced simultaneously. Uh, I predict that there will be unequal revenue sharing on postseason money. I think that the base TV money will all be equally shared, but com, college football playoffs and NCAA tournament winnings will be unequally shared, favoring the teams who earn that money.
1: That's my prediction.
0: And I think Oregon, as I said before, will stay in the pack and sign a five-year deal.
1: Yeah, else. I hope that's not the case. Like my my prediction earlier was more wishful thinking. I think um, I just, I'm just choosing to be a little bit more optimistic as opposed to thinking about what the money is going to look like playing Washington state, Oregon state, Cal and Stanford. Every single year. Um, <laughs> and so. Yeah. I mean, I, you know,
0: predicting something doesn't mean it's what I want to happen. It's what I think will happen.
2: Well, if, sometimes you, on if you
0: Twitter, people lose track of the, that distinction for some reason.
2: Well, yeah. And if you, but if you think about it, the ACC really doesn't get dinged up for playing a bunch of patty cake schools by and large. I mean, it'll be different when the, the you know, the power two are, are all banded together. But, I mean I think Oregon could survive, but unfortunately that means they're gonna to have to win fifty-five to ten most weeks and, and can't release, you know, I mean survive don't get me wrong.
1: I will thoroughly enjoy watching us absolutely donkey stomp like all of these teams into the dirt. Um, but it's just it's just not it's not the same as playing in big time environments on a weekly basis. Right. Yeah, it it definitely isn't. Um,
0: I do think one thing I didn't mention before, another prediction, if you will. I do think once the Pac-12 deal is signed and and locked and loaded, I do think there will probably be some continued conversations brokered by ESPN between the ACC and the Pac to, to kind of form some sort of scheduling agreement. But we'll see how that plays out. I think that might take a couple years to play out, but I think that will that might happen. All right, one final question here. Uh Cole Thomas, if you could keep only three position coaches on staff for next season, which three would you keep? Uh maybe we'd get to pick one at a time. So uh Justin, who's your first choice? Which one Uh, position coach would you keep? let's leave the coordinators out of it so let's just go with the eight
2: no nope. okay because that was going to be my question was coordinators too but since they're both new it's kind of hard to pick them anyway so um this is probably really going to surprise everybody but right now today just given all things it would be tony tuyati um i think that he was he's just, just a guy that doesn't um he's a terrific recruiter doesn't get his respect at, at, at that oregon signed its best defensive line class And I would say it was in large part to Tony Tuiotti. So right now, uh, that would be the guy for me.
0: Andrew? Who's your first choice? Oh. He may be offline. All right. So I'm going to go with my first choice being Junior Adams. Um, I think, obviously, you can't undersell the work he's doing in recruiting, you know, cycle after cycle now. Uh, you know, really landing. I It's it's the one position, maybe with running back being the second one, where we enter a recruiting cycle and I, I don't have any concerns about where we're going to end up um, at the end of the season. And, and I, say, I think I've said this on an earlier episode. I don't know which receivers Oregon is going to end up signing at the end of the 2024 cycle, but I know they're going to be good. Yeah, that's all and that's that's all you know maybe it's denmark and and anderson and one more maybe both of those guys go somewhere else we end up with three different receivers who who aren't committed currently i don't know and honestly it doesn't really matter because they're going to be good that's uh, so that that peace of mind and with adams is really
1: really key to me hey guys sorry about that i was on mute um i my oh, my first pick would be two yodi i'm with uh justin on that one um it sucks because some of the guys that we lost would be guys that I would have had on that list. So I think coach pallage would have been my number one, unfortunately um, for the very reason he left. Right. I think he would have been a really good replacement uh, at defensive coordinator at one point. Um, but I think that coach Hampton is going to be a really valuable addition to the staff. So I would probably put him and coach Lachlan as my other two um, potentially. I think, I think Adams deserves a shout as well, but uh, I think Hampton's going to prove to be a really valuable staff member.
0: Yeah, I I think both of the, I think I think you guys are spot on with Tuviati. I, I it didn't surprise me at all to hear you say that hop cuz I think he's a really under you know he's a, he's not a guy who's out in the spotlight a lot, right? Kind of just under the radar behind the scenes, but I think he's really really good. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm happy to hear you both say that and I I think Hampton is another one QB that I would agree with as well. Uh, hop, you got a second one?
2: yeah um it's close all three of these are actually close but i probably have to go demetrius martin next and uh, i just think he's cleaned house on the recruiting trail he's given us a viable um recruiter to you know where dante williams was kicking our butts at usc a couple years ago demetrius has been able to come in and go toe-to-toe if not win a majority of the battles with that um and as we know getting getting those kind of guys here uh, Christian Gonzalez coming over from Colorado and having a tremendous year. That was all Demetrius Martin. Obviously, Demetrius Martin found him in the first place, got him to Colorado. So uh, it'd have to be a meet from me and, and I think he's a good team guy, too, as well. Yeah,
0: meet's another great choice. I, I probably would have had him on my list as well. I think, I think you know, so to, to distill it down, you know, the question was top three. I think if you go meet Tui Adi, And then I guess uh, we can fight between Adams and Hampton for the third spot. But I think those are the three or four that I would put at the top of that list. And and that's no disrespect for you know Coach Maringer, Coach Lachlan, you know the other guy, Coach Laurie. The other guys, I think they're all they're all. I think this coaching staff, top to bottom, I I really really like. Uh, There's not in my mind, I don't see a weak link in the in the group.
2: No, Coach Adams was probably my third, and it's a narrow third between him and me. And honestly, it's a it's a narrow first, second, third. No matter which, you could, you could make arguments to me about any of them. Um, and I have a tough time not putting Coach Lachlan on that list. I think right. he's done nothing nothing but great things, so that's really tough not to list him. Um, and to your point, I think the coaching staff, uh, first of all, from top to bottom, is is solid, strong great at recruiting, obviously can do the X's and O's stuff, but I think what's taken this thing next level has been all that support staff that they've been able to put around him. A lot of the assistants we're seeing leave Oregon and getting uh, position coaches or or jobs in the NFL or things of that nature. So, you know, the Jordan Somervilles and the other uh, analysts and whatnot around this program, I think have, have you know, almost kind of putting this staff of recruiters on steroids because those guys are doing some really tremendous work too. All
0: right. That's all we got for today. I think we're going to call this one good for Justin and for Andrew and for myself. We appreciate all of you listening to another episode of the QB 11 show presented by scoop duck. Be sure to check out scoop Justin and the gang over there have tons of content every day covering recruiting. Obviously first and foremost, spring ball coverage is going to be ramping up starting tomorrow. I know they're putting out some really you know, cool. Kind of like discussion topics almost every day over there that are getting a lot of buzz on the board. Obviously, realignment talk is on over there as well. So check all that out. Follow us on Twitter at, at @QB11Show, um, and then you know really appreciate you all listening. And thanks again. And we'll talk at you soon.